Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Please allow me to introduce myself to you all. I am Lady Lane, and thank you for allowing me to spend the next hour talking to you, informing you, motivating you, moving you, and preferably always empowering you. I want to start off by thanking God first. And, you know, very much in the same fashion that, you know, media icon, friend in my head, mentor in my head too, Steve Harvey does. We're going to be starting off the show in the same exact way he does with a dedication to God. Because without God, I wouldn't be here. We would not be here. And everything that I have been through has led me to everything that I have become and has brought me here today in front of you, all because God moved suddenly in my life. A suddenly moment, you know, for those of you who don't know, a suddenly moment is a moment when God surprisingly breaks into time and space, real time, real space, with an intervention of his kingdom, his kingdom, his purpose, his will. And there are repeated times in the Bible and throughout church history with countless examples of how God has intervened with suddenliness. You know, and there are many times in life when I've waited and prayed and prayed, and I'm sure all of you might have been there with something, right? There's something in your life where you have prayed and prayed and prayed, and then suddenly the Lord moves and he comes to do the thing that we've been waiting for, right? Can I get an amen on that? Because sometimes, you know, we wait for years for that breakthrough and then just like that. And that is right there, the suddenliness that God moves in. And, you know, sometimes, though, the suddenly is not good. And our emotions can become entangled in feelings of hopelessness as we, you know, reel and we're moving and we're switching back and forth from swift changes that were unforeseen. Okay, like the unforeseen death of my husband, right? That was a suddenliness, you know, where God moved, where it, it was unexpected and it was sudden, right? So I do want to explain, you know, there isn't always a sudden healing. Change doesn't always occur suddenly. And sometimes the Lord seems silent, Right. Sometimes the Lord seems like he's silent. He's just not answering our prayers. He's just not there. And we're like, are you there, God? And sometimes the Lord goes silent on us. You know, one of the hardest things in life that I had to do um, or had to explain to my then at the time nine-year-old daughter was why God doesn't answer all prayers. Because I remember her saying to me, you know, mommy, everybody told me to pray, 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 pray. And I need to pray and I need to pray. But God didn't answer my prayers, mommy, because if he did, my dad would still be here. So why doesn't God answer all prayers? And, you know, and it's just taking time to explain to her, of course, God moves in his will, not ours. Um, but but that but that was rough because to her that was a period of time where God had gone silent, 
And that's really hard for a nine-year-old to battle. And after his death, there were many times, you know, where I had even lost all hope that my prayers would be answered at all. You know, it it, it was kind of like that whole, you know, God, like, what what did I do? Or can I have, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of bargaining. It was just a lot of times when I was talking to God. Um and feeling like he just, he, I, my voice was on mute. And then yet, as time went on, in the aftermath of the suddenly of his death, I experienced the Lord in sudden and unexpected ways, you know, too. And, and my journey, right, it, it wasn't an easy journey. It was not. But I have experienced how God moves. And, you know, in an online article titled When God Moves Suddenly by Jackie Eastman, Eastman talks specifically about the suddenly in God moves. She states that even when her specific prayers were left unanswered, the Lord has blessed her suddenly with things that she never expected. She goes on to say, suddenly my daughter became pregnant. Suddenly new people came into my life who have brought new perspective. And, you know, there are those moments when after long, dry periods of waiting and praying, suddenly things start to happen and the Lord begins to move. And in that one moment, our lives can be transformed. A new job may arise, right? How many of you just seemed like a a new job just dropped from the sky that you wouldn't even plan for and you just walked into that purpose, right? Because he moves suddenly. Or maybe you're like me and you get pregnant after being told you probably would never be able to conceive and all of a sudden effortlessly, I'm pregnant, right? That's the suddenly. Or suddenly the test results show an unexpected, unexplainable good change, Right. Or maybe sometimes suddenly a tumultuous relationship, a back and forth relationship, all of a sudden seems to start getting better. Right. God is the master. Excuse me. God is the master of suddenly. God suddenly can be swift. It can sometimes be painful. It can be frightening and it can be miraculous. We can pray with complete confidence that God is answering our prayers. They might not always be answered, though, in the way that we wanted. They may not always come according to our schedule. But when the answers suddenly come, we will surely all see. He is sovereign. He is good. And above all else, he is God and in complete control. God has ordered our steps. He moves within us and all those who believe. He can move suddenly, bringing you in and out of certain situations or seasons to ultimately, ultimately get you to walk in the unique purpose he has for you. Not anybody else, but the unique purpose he has for you. 
three months ago, being on the radio was not even on my radar. I wasn't even thinking about radio, right? I, I really wasn't at all. But yet, here I am. Because God is light. And just like light, or just like the light, the way the light moves suddenly, God moves suddenly. You know, quote, one of my favorite quotes, you know, in Ezekiel 37, verses 9 through 10, it says, it is the spirit of God as the breath wind of God moving over the dry bones of Israel, bringing them life and strength. Now you could imagine how quickly, right? You know, the breath, the wind, right? How suddenly those things happen. And that is why that verse, right? Tells us how the Holy Spirit moves. Sometimes ladies and gentlemen, God moves suddenly and he can move suddenly for you too as well. Let your heart become trouble. 
for tuning in to WDRB Media, the voice of the community. You are listening to the first of many, the inaugural, the premiere of the This, That, and the Third show. And I am your host extraordinaire, the hostess with the mostess, Lady Lane. I want to welcome all of you again to my show. It means such a tremendous amount to me. You are all tuning in. So, all right, let's start off a little bit by telling you about the name This, That, and the Third and how it came about. So I was on the phone with my brother and I was talking to him about the fact that, oh my God, I just got a show on WDRB Media and yeah, and I really don't know what I want it to be about. I know that I want, you know, I shouldn't have said no, I don't know what I want it to be about because I did. What I really wanted was, um, or what I, what it is, I said, I told him, I want a variety. I want something to come across like a variety show. I don't want to be tied down to a topic. So, you know, my title has to be broad because there are so many things, right, that I have to talk about and say. Like, I want to, I want, I want to talk a little bit about this. I want to talk a little bit about that. And my brother was like, I got it. What about this, that, and the third? And when he said that, I was like, I like it. <laughs> Right. And, and 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 here we are. Right. The this, that and the third show. I mean, sometimes that's how it happens. And I just I just feel like it was meant to be. So every single week I'm going to bring to you a variety of engaging topics, guests, interviews, reviews, social issues, some political issues, relationship, parenting, yes, dating. We're going to get the full spectrum of this, that, and the third, right? So I'm, I'm so glad you are here with me this afternoon, and I cannot wait to go on this journey with each and every single one of you listeners. So thank you. Thank you. You all are the reason why I'm here. And then this time I wanted to give a special shout out to our sponsors for this show. You know, thank you for making this possible for me. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And um, so today we're going to kick things off with discussing a topic that is truly near and dear to my heart because it's a topic that I've spent many, many years in and it has become a silent war, right? There is a silent war going on right here in our nation. And guess what? We are losing this silent, but not so silent war, right? We are losing it. So when we come back, I'm going to identify what that silent war is, and we're going to begin hashing it out. 
Because this side, we cannot lose this war, y'all. It's much too important. So please stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Keep your dials here. All right. And we're going to hash it out when we come back. You're listening to This, That, and the Third. And I am your host, Lady Lane. Make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. As I turn up the collar, my favorite winter coat. This wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street. Not enough to eat Who am I to be blind Pretending not to see them need A summer's disregard A broken bottle top And a one-man soul They follow each other on the wind you know Cause they got nowhere to go That's why no one yet to know back to WDRB Media, the voice of the community, and those streaming live through free tune-in radio app, Streama, Apple Music, Radio Seed, and more. You are listening to the This, That, and the Third show, and I am your host, Lady Lane. If you are just tuning in, I had just told everybody, number one, welcome I want to welcome all my new listeners because um, this is the first, first this and that, this, that, and a third show. And I am excited to be here um, right before the break. 
as I told all of you uh, who were tuned in that when we got back, I, your host, Lady Lane, was going to be discussing um, a topic, an issue that is really near and dear to my heart. And um, and it is a very silent, yet not so silent war that we're losing. We are losing it. So, okay, so I won't keep you in suspense any longer. Um, we are losing the war on education, public education specifically. All right, and yet, so today... Um, I'm really asking the question and I'd like all of you to take a minute and ponder it um, because I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard right about public education. And, you know, some people say, Oh, it's, it's, it's a joke. It's going downhill. America's, you know, we, we, we all, we all have heard, right. The horror stories of what is happening in public schools all across the nation. So today I'm asking the question, what are we, what are we as a nation, right? What are we doing to repair and fix the broken institution that has become primary and secondary public education? I mean, yes, there are good public schools, right? So I don't want anyone to say that Lady Lane says there are no good public schools. No, there are good public schools out there. All right. I have taught in some. OK, I was I was a teacher for 17 years, a middle school, high school teacher for 17 years. Um, I sent my daughter to public school up until I could not. So, yes, I am very familiar with the fact that there are good public schools out there. However, there are not enough of them, not nearly enough of them. So what I want to know, right, is how are we going to fix this? But I really I want to focus our attention today on the federal government, right? Because the buck stops with them at the top, right? So what is our federal government doing about it, right? When will the federal government, for all of you who are going to be like, wait, uh, 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 not so fast, you know, Public schools is a reserved right, which means it's up to the states. And yes, you would be correct. Okay. Public schools are, you know, left up to the state because of reserved powers. However, at what point does the federal government step in and say, look, we have left it up to the states, right? We're not getting it done. At, at what point? Okay, and I, and I want y'all to really think about that. At what point should the federal government really step in and help fix, truly fix this system, right? And, you know, I firmly believe that the federal government needs to step in to make sure that when it comes to Public education, the playing field is equitable, right? From school to school to school across the nation. You know, because according to urbaneducation.gov, I believe it says 
education has the power to shape people's long-term job success, financial stability, and contributions to their community. Right? So this is important. Right? The education is too important of a topic of an issue for us to fail on or slack on. Right? And yet, like I said before, you talk to anyone in this nation today about public schools, and by and large, many say it's a joke. And speaking to you once again, as a former public school teacher, I can assure you it's not a joke. It's failure by design. Okay. Our current model of public education is not going to work. It is failure by design. And sadly, the United States isn't investing as much in human capital as other developed countries, right? And part of investing in human capital is investing in education. And guess what? We are falling behind as a result, as a country. We are falling behind. And I'm about to read you some information. If you want to fact check me or you want to ask me for my references, please do. I have them all on hand to show you where I'm getting this information from. Okay. And if you, um, like I said, if you want to fact check me and say where your references, I got them. But I do want to read you some things that I think are pretty alarming. Right. The United States students' math skills have remained stagnant, right? We have shown no growth. We have remained stagnant. As a result, we are falling behind many others which have greatly improved, such as Japan, Poland, Ireland, right? The U.S. test scores are below the global average, Eric Hanushek, excuse me if I pronounced that wrong, Eric, but an economist from the Hoover Institution of Stanford University estimated that the U.S. economy would grow 4.5% in 20 years if our students' math and science skills were as strong as those of the rest of the world. He also said that this statement would likely come as a shock to many Americans because sadly, we believe that our students' skills are already among the best in the world. They are not, right? They are not. You know, these low scores mean that the U.S. students may not be as prepared to take high-paying computer and engineering jobs which often go to foreign workers. Silicon Valley is America's high-tech innovation center, but one reason for its success is the cultural diversity of its foreign-born software engineers. Many companies simply outsource their tech jobs, says overseas, but the result is the same. There are fewer high-paying jobs going to American citizens because they may not be qualified. Think about that. 
And I'm not, you know, this is not me saying, oh my gosh, you know, people are going to come in from other countries and take their jobs and blah, blah, blah. No. But we want, once again, right, the most skilled people for the job. And if we are not the most skilled people for the job, then yes, we need to go outside and get other people in because that's who we want, the most skilled people. But the question should be asked, what is it we need to do, right? Or why aren't we Americans, you know, by and large, not becoming as skilled, right, as those people who live in other countries? The U.S., I'm going to go on. The U.S. ranks near the bottom in in a survey of students' math skills in 30 industrialized countries. And many Americans are in denial of that. The same survey showed that one-third believe their own schools were excellent, but only one-sixth believe the same of other schools. And sadly, the states that are the poorest have the lowest education scores, okay? And I'm sure that's not shocking, right? But if you're one of those people living in one of, you know, the poorest states, I'm telling you, your kids, you deserve to get the same equitable education as those kids living in wealthier states, right? We are creating by design a structure of inequality in America. We are. You know, the World Competitive Competitiveness, excuse me, Center reports that the U.S. ranked 10th in its 2020 competitiveness competitiveness, I don't know how I can pronounce that, competitiveness report. The U.S. fell to the third spot in 2019 after ranking first in 2018. The seven-point tumble to 10th place results or represents the lowest the U.S. has ever been in the annual ranking system. So I ask, when does the federal government step in and say what we are doing, what is happening in public schools is not working, right? I mean, think about it. What significant legislation? I mean, we do have a Department of Education, right? What significant legislation has our federal government put forth to fix the current issues with with this, right? What have they done to fix public education since no child left behind, right? That was huge. That was a huge deal, right? Under President Bush, they passed a no child left behind. And after that, the federal government has produced no significant legislation to address the current issues in public schools across our nation. Now, I know some people are going to say, well, wait, 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 hold on. You know, I think, what was it, back in 2015, okay, the Every Student Succeeds Act, ESSA, 
you know, was signed into effect, right, by President Obama, December 10th, 2015. And it was designed to represent good dues for the nation. But it's funny because a lot of teachers don't even know this exists. You ask people, you know, about legislation and it seems to stop at no child left behind. But this act was signed into effect in 2015, right? And it was put forth to be great news for the nation. It was a bipartisan measure passed by both Republicans, Democrats, independents alike in Congress, right? And what it did was it states, if you look under, if you go to the Department of Education's website, it states that this bipartisan measure, excuse me, reauthorizes the 50-year-old, I'll say it again, the 50-year-old, I'll say it one more time, the 50-year-old Elementary and Secondary Education Act. The nation's national education law and long-standing commitment to equal opportunity for all students. So that's what the new measure did. It put back into place a 50-year-old law, all right, and renewed its long-standing commitment to equal opportunity for all students. Note, okay, note. When I first started talking about what the federal government should do, I said is the it is it is the federal government's job to ensure schools are equitable. That's what I said. Equitable. Not equal. Equitable. Because I'm not talking about I'm not here to talk about you know, making every school a cookie cutter school and saying, you know, see, we spend the same amount of money on each school, right? You see, every school has a library, every student gets the iPad, you know, every student this, that, right? No, wrong. That That, 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 is, that is not even close to what I'm saying. I, I'm not talking about equality, right? And giving every student the exact same thing, what I'm talking about is giving every student what is necessary for him or her to run the race fairly. And here's what I mean by that, okay? Let's say you have a Sarah Thomas and then you have a Michael Jones, okay? Let's start with Sarah Thomas. Sarah Thomas is a five-year-old white girl, Caucasian girl, who grew up in a very affluent community, right? Um, two parents, both, you know, earning household, earning income, let's just say, of $300,000, okay? And Sarah goes to a private, you know, pre-K where Sarah receives, you know, small class pre-K sizes. She receives, you know, 
assistance on reading, letters, phonics, math, except that that's, you know, that's what this school does. And it is known for that, right? When Sarah goes home, Sarah has either her, you know, nanny there or her parents were there, primarily the mom who engages with Sarah on her school, on her schoolwork, sits down, wants to know about Sarah's day, what Sarah did. She provides, you know, Sarah is provided with tons of materials at home and programs to do her arts and crafts and do all those supplemental things that her pre-K, you know, school offers her. Right. So that's Sarah Thomas. Now, let's just say you have Michael Jones. Michael Jones is five years old as well. However, Michael Jones all right, is a Black American boy living in the inner city. All right, um, his mom had Michael when Michael was, I'm sorry, his mom had Michael when she was around, you know, 19, 20 years old. She's doing the best that she can do. All right, um, you know, Michael stays with grandma, so mom can go off to college and try to finish college. Mom works after college and she's trying to do the best she can by Michael. Now, unfortunately, mom can't afford daycare for Michael. So at five years old, Michael is carted off to his grandparents' house every single day where Michael stays. And Michael is one of many kids that stay with you know, his grandmother during the day. So Michael doesn't always get the attention and spends most of the days doing whatever Michael wants to do. All right. And now here it is. Here comes time. Next year is that compulsory word all begins kindergarten because pre-K is not compulsory and it's not mandated in every state. So now here you have next following year comes and we're ready for kindergarten. Okay. Sarah is going, starting, starting kindergarten as well. All right. And her parents feel like because they live in such an affluent community, they could send, you know, Sarah off to the public school. Right. So that's their option. They're going to send her to the public school in their, you know, wealthy affluent community. All right. Public school, obviously is Michael's only option. So he goes off to kindergarten. So let me ask you a question, okay? If we're talking about running the race fairly, which means everybody starts at the same place, who do you think in academically is further ahead right now? We haven't even started you know, compulsory education which starts in kindergarten, but just from the example I gave you, who is already ahead of the race, right? Sarah, Sarah's clearly more ahead than Michael, due to no fault of Michael's, just except, except for, you know, the environment in which you were born into, which you have no control over. But Sarah is already way ahead, due to no fault of Sarah's, right? Um, it's just, you know, the luck of the draw when it comes to how much money her parents make, what they could afford to do for her, etc. Now, if you're going to say, well, we want to make public schools equal, for all students. So let's just say that means every student gets $40,000, right? We're going to spend $40,000 per year per student. Okay. 
Would you say that both Sarah and Michael should get the same amount, right, that the school is supplying? Because it's clear that Sarah probably doesn't need as much as Michael does, okay? Sarah doesn't need it, right? What what, what if Sarah doesn't need 40000 What if Sarah's school, because of such, you know, they have this amazing PTA, they have donations, they have actively engaged parents, they have all these things. So what if Sarah only needs 20, right? $20,000. But Michael over here, Michael may need 60, right? And that's what equitable means. It doesn't mean giving everybody the same exact thing. Equity means giving them or making classrooms equitable means giving each and every student the tools necessary, the resources necessary, the staff necessary to make sure that they can start running the race from the same exact place as anyone else. And this is what the federal government, this is what our Department of Education should actively be lobbying for, right? Because that could mean different things for different schools but it would benefit society as a whole, right? Everything I'm talking about benefits society as a whole. So I don't don't understand why more people are not up in arms about this, why more people are not calling their representatives and their senators and school boards, et cetera. Because I'm telling you, the cost of inaction we do not do something about this is far too great, right? A failing educational system can have significant economic costs, both in the short term and long term. Reduce workforce productivity, right? If you don't have skilled workers, you're going to have a reduction of people entering into the workforce prepared to work. You're going to see increased unemployment. You're going to see, right, lower earnings. We're not making as much because we're not competitive. You're going to see increased social service costs. Okay. And I know there are a ton of people who talk about, oh, we're spending way too much on social services. Oh, so, but one way to prevent that is to be proactive on the front end and make sure that there's equity in education. Right? Because you're going to see, you're going to see higher crime rates. And also finally a decline in global competitiveness, right? All these things are the cost of inaction. And trust me, they are far more, the economic expense of inaction is far, far, far more greater. than the cost to be proactive and fix the problem. Now, currently, public schools are funded through a combination, right, of federal, state, and local sources. 
with the vast majority of our of the schools being funded, as I said earlier, through the states, right? And the exact funding mechanisms and proportions can can they can vary, right? From one location to another, as we found out, right? You know, the amount of money allocated for um, I'm going to say schools in Massachusetts may look far different from the amount of money that is, you know, allocated to schools in Mississippi. Right. And we know, as I said before, that education is primarily the state and the local, right? The town's responsibility. But we did say the states do get some money from the federal government. And this is what I want to, I want to, you know, turn my focus to, all right? Because when we look at how our federal tax dollars break down and how each one of our tax dollars are spent, this is what we get. Now, I know that there are several of, you know, many hundreds of these and they may have different numbers or different figures. So, you know, if you have something, if I say, you know, and I'm a couple of cents different from you, that's fine. Okay, so I, I just want to say that because there are hundreds of these. Okay, but this one was the one which I felt was best representative of what I have seen um, when I looked out there. All right, but let's talk about this, right? Because each and every single one of us pay taxes. And it's important to know that how our tax dollars are used. So for every dollar that the federal government spends, okay, 22% sorry, 22 cents, okay, 22 cents of that tax dollar goes to medical, Medicare, and health insurance, because that's expensive, folks, very expensive, more expensive than it should be or needs to be, but that's another topic for another day, okay, so 22 cents, that is where the largest portion of the tax dollar goes, 22 cents goes to health care, then right after that comes unemployment and labor at 21 cents, all right? So 21 cents of our dollar goes to unemployment and labor. 15 cents goes to our military, okay? 15 cents of every dollar of our tax dollars go towards the military, 15 cents. Now, I could read all of these going down, okay? But I'm going to stop here at 15 cents for military. I'm sorry, and I will say 12 cents goes 12.7. I don't know if that 0.7 of a cent, but apparently 12.7 of a cent goes to the government, right? Because the government pays themselves. So, yes. Now, let's get to education. Okay. So I already told you, right? Medical care, Medicare, healthcare, 22. Unemployment, 21 cents. Military, 15 cents. Federal government, 12 cents. Education. Okay. Education, four cents. Four cents on every dollar the federal government gets in goes to education. Now, 
I know if some of you pull one, uh, one of these from, I guess, 2023 or this year, you know, the cents on education per dollar may have increased, but this is only due to the cancellation of student loans because that money that they use to cancel, you know, the student loan debts for so many people, that money gets allocated to the Department of Education's budget. But nothing significant, right, has gone to K through 12 education. And, you know, it's it's really interesting. I won't tell you who this presidential candidate was, but I remember going back. And I want to say early 2000s. Right. But I, I, I once heard a presidential candidate say during the primary, OK, this was the primary to see if this person was going to be, you know, the Democratic and that Democratic, you know, candidate for president. Um, but that person said. Show me, you know, he said, I once heard, excuse me, I just want to make sure I read the quote. Right. He said, I once heard. Um, pause back up. I can't. Why, why am I not reading this right? Okay, here we go. He said that people always want to talk about what we value, right? What does Congress, what does government, what does America value? Well, he said, show me your budget and I will show you what you value. And looking at four cents per every dollar, four cents per every dollar our federal government spends on education. Does that sound like our federal government genuinely values education? We're only going to put four cents? I mean, aren't we encouraged as smart investors to put aside 20 cents in savings from every paycheck, right? 20% of your paycheck needs to go into savings. That is what all the smart investors say, you know, savings perhaps for our future. Well, if that's the case, you know, you want to put in 20% to invest in your future, something happens, whatever, 20%. Our federal government is clearly falling short in putting aside that 20% for our country's education, right? Our future, our kids. And, and you know, you would think that the United States would have united education. Yet, we have a system where the states are ranked Right. We, we, we you can look up edu, you know, education ranking, you know, rankings and it'll tell you which state is number one in education and which state is number 50 in education. Right. Which if we're the United States, that should not be for education. Every single state should have. The same equitable access to education. As the next. I mean, how is that fair? If you think about it, how is it fair to the family that just happens to be born 
in the 50th ranked state. I mean, what? Should everyone in the 50th ranks, what, what, what should they do, right? Should we pick up and move to top states? Because we want our kids to have a better education, right? If we're in the bottom states, should we just pick up and move to the top states? You know, that would obviously create a lot of other issues. But I'm just saying, why is it fair to those citizens who just happen to be living in the 50th state, right? You know, you're Michael Joneses, right? How is it fair, right? That's back from the kid that I did the example with. But how how is that fair to Michael Jones? He just happens to be living in the 50th state, you know, and what you know, why can't he have the same educational opportunities, right, as Mary, his counterpart that I used? I I mean, I, I just want to know. I would love for someone to come in here and tell me why should anyone be afforded you know, uh, and we're talking about public schools, right? I'm not talking about private schools, um, but I'm just talking about public schools, right? No public school should technically produce better students than other public schools. I mean, yes, there are there are such things as better teachers and better, but in terms of, you know, equity, we have to make this equitable. We have to. We can't afford not to. I mean, we are literally, we are sending billions, right? Billions of dollars overseas to fight wars, right? We are. We need to spend billions to fix a broken educational system, right? Just like we invest in new roads and infrastructure, we need to invest in true educational reform, right? How about we fix some of these schools, right? These broken down schools that, that are still operating, but were built in like the 1950s that are falling apart. How about we spend some money in that, okay? But we need to fix our educational system. There must be genuine reform, okay? Our federal government has to act. And I'm gonna ask, each and every single one of you, right, to please join me for part two of this discussion next week. When I look at what can be done, okay, to win this war, right? We need, we need to win this war in education. We need to fight for our future because I'm telling you, I look at this generation coming up and I promise you, right? I promise you, I am scared, <laughs> I'm scared. You know, I'll tell everyone who will listen, right? This is this is real talk. Okay. I've said this to so many people. Okay. We should have known something was wrong with this generation coming up. Okay. Anytime you'd rather watch, literally watch someone on screen play with the toys you actually have, right? You have those toys, but you'd rather Actually, you'd rather watch someone else play with the same toys you have rather than getting up to go and play with your toys themselves, right? We should have known something was wrong then. We should have. Like, I used to tell my daughter, you, you can do that same thing. You can do it too. Why don't you make a video? 
right? You can achieve that play, you know, feeling too, right? But we should have known something was wrong then, folks. But um, so yeah, I hope you will really check me out next week. Come back because we want to be the type of show, if we're going to talk about what the problem is, we need to spend some time addressing the solution. We need to be solution oriented. Okay. So I urge you to come back next week when we talk about part two. All right. And remember, you are tuned in to WDRB Media, the voice of the community. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the third. Calling all business owners, all independent artists, and all nonprofit organizations. If you are in need of radio advertising, we encourage you to call 877-342-7770. That's 877-342-7770. Through their Community Give Back Project, there is an entrepreneur foundation that is paying for free radio advertising. Please call 877-342-7770 in order to receive your free radio advertising today. Welcome back to WDRB Media, the voice of the community. And those streaming live through free tune-in radio app, Streamer, Apple Music, Radio Seed, and more. You're listening to the This, That, and the Third radio show, and I am your host, Lady Lane. If you are just tuning in, we have been discussing the silent war going on in America within our public schools. And if you missed part one, do not miss part two next week, because you cannot address the problem without bringing solutions to the table. Okay, so we're going to be talking about what can we do? What do we need to do to save our public schools? And this would technically be the part in the show where we shift gears and get into what I like to call the third. Now, the third, right, of this, that, and the third will always be a generally lighter topic. You know, I'll try to always end things on an upbeat note. So today what I had in mind, right, was we were going to talk about that article that has been circulating about where, where women will not go out you know, where we won't go as ladies out on a date. Um, and yeah, but unfortunately I am out of time. So maybe we'll pick this up next week too, but all I got to say is ladies, stop it, right? <laughs> that is my one key advice. Stop the madness. And we'll talk about that more next week, but I want to thank all of you for sharing what will hopefully God willing be the first of many hours with me. Um, and I am your faithful, dutiful host, Lady Lane. And it's been a pleasure. Hope everyone has a great week and God bless you all. And I hope to catch all of you back here next week. God bless you, everybody. Take care. This is Lady Lane signing out on WDRB Media, the voice of the community. Thank you. <laughs>